Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's show. As always, we are playing Andrew Peterson's song, Dark Before the Dawn. Are we doing it to be dramatic? The answer is no. There we go. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at some news from the headlines. Headline news here on Bible News Radio. Ah, yeah, we are. <clears throat> so, if you're watching live, do me a favor, just share this out wherever you can. Because God will make sure that whoever needs to hear it will hear it. Yeah. So, that's actually what I'm going to do right now while you guys are doing that. Make sure you say hi in the chat room, that way I can say hi back. Give me a shout out. And, of course, all of you who are watching on the replay, A small passing thing, people. This is the storm, this is the storm, the storm before the calm. This is the pain, the pain before the dawn. This is the cold, the cold, this the cold before the warm. These are the tears, the tears before the sun. This is the dark. Sometimes all I see is this dark. Right there, you go. <laughs> yes, I am your crack engineer as well. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to officially stop this song now that I have cleverly scrolled down the volume and faded it out like a good engineer. Okay, anyway, I know you guys don't realize how talented we are. <laughs> as uh, as Rush Limbaugh <laughs> said many years, talent. Alone from God. <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, look, that's supposed to be funny. Some of you people are sticks in the mud. I get it. Um, I used to be just like you. No, I didn't. <laughs> actually, actually, I don't think I was ever like any of you. I feel like I've always walked to the beat of my own drum. Yeah, I have. You know, I was telling a friend of mine recently... Uh, we were talking about kindergarten. <laughs> well, I was talking about kindergarten. They were just listening to my email. Um, and I don't know about you, but when you were a child, did you have to take naps in kindergarten? Well, I grew up having to take naps. I actually started school when I was three. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <gasps> I've been reading since I was three years old. Hard to believe, I know, because of all my stuttering and, you know, messing names up and stuff. But the truth is, is I, I started reading when I was three. My mom, my mother put me in, in Head Start. 
Yeah, she did. She put me in Head Start, and one fond memory I have of my mom, and there's not many, but one one fond one I have is that my mom really emphasized reading when I was a child. And um, anyway, I remember going to Head Start, and uh, and and then there was nap time, but we had to bring a towel to lay down on because way back in the olden days before you know monkey bars turned into these foam covered things where you know children can't get a a scrape some of us children roughed it and yeah we did we roughed it on a uh, what do you call like a, a a towel anyway and my towel i so remember this my towel was not like anybody else's towel now, why my mother decided to get me the particular towel she got me, I don't know. But all my friends had colored towels, like solid colors. Like, you know, the primary colors, red, blue, green, yellow, you know, <laughs> basic towel. But not mine. My towel had a picture of a jungle on it. It was green, jungly images and, and, and like, like a monkey in the tree. <laughs> Stuff like that. And I just always felt like... What the heck? Why, why, why was my mother totally making me stand out that way? I was like, have to lay down on this thing. I could never sleep on it, though. I could never take naps. And it wasn't until recently that I actually started enjoying a nap. I generally just don't like naps. I've always had a lot of energy, always, you know, pretty much bouncing off the wall. So <clears throat> why do I share all that? Because like I said, I pretty much walked to the beat of my own drum and I think it started way back then when you know when you know I was just a just a mere child yes I was at some point um but anyway as as life goes on you know I remember getting picked on when I grew up people called me weird they called me you know a whole bunch of other stuff but the big thing that I got a lot was you're quirky you are quirky and you are a weirdo and you're just weird weird because you have that weirdo sense of humor and and all that and you know what i figured out as i got older i was like i would like in my 20s if somebody did that to me i'd be like bring it on you're gonna you're gonna call me names all right here you know and i'm like I'd do everything I could to like want to punch them in the face. <laughs> and then and then something happened when I hit 40. All of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but I don't know if I drank something or what, but something in my brain, all of a sudden, words like honey and deer started coming out of my mouth. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. Oh, dear. Hi, love. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time it happened. I I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, what happened to you? Like, hey, all of a sudden you're turning into one of those, those soft, mushy, middle-aged women that you're calling people love, dear, honey, sweetheart. And I'm like, what the, what the heck? Uh, and now that I'm over 50 and take multivitamin that proves it, um, <laughs> I have to say, I have to say that I am learning to use my age to my advantage, people. Yeah, I am. And you should too, except use it for God's advantage. Because here's the thing, 
as a middle-aged woman, and some of you are men, but you can embrace this, you can be winsome for Jesus. And you can get away with saying stuff to especially younger kids. And I, and I mean that relatively, you know, 15, 20 years younger than you. You can, you can say to a 35-something, oh, I remember when I was your age. Oh, you should learn from my lessons, honey. Yeah, you really should. You know, you think life is hard now. Wait till you get older. You know, this is nothing. <laughs> there are so many that have gone before you. Ah, you know, hey, just, you know, let me tell you about Jesus, how Jesus can help you out. <laughs> and then you just launch into the, you launch into the gospel, people. That's what you do. That's the easy way to do it. But I, I, I am not kidding you when I say we have, especially as the older generation now, and really, some of you, like I know, I have some older friends watching in their 80s and <clears throat> 70s and stuff. You guys can get away with so much more than I can even in my age. Because, you know, I look younger than my age. <laughs> Whereas you might look your age, but me, not so much. <laughs> okay, anyway, forget that part. That was, that was not nice. I'm sorry. That was kind of mean. It wasn't really meant to be mean. It was meant to be funny. Maybe that backfired. Maybe it didn't. But either way, you know what I'm saying, don't you? Use your feminine wiles for good, people. Use your sweetness for good. Yeah. So that is what I'm going to do tonight as I read you <clears throat> from God's word. Because God's word is worthy to be read. And at Bible News Radio, we try to put the Bible first and then talk about the news. And tonight we got like five stories to get to. So I promise you, I shall not be as long-winded as maybe you want me to. But let's pray very quickly and ask for God to bless the reading of his word. And then I shall read to you from John chapter 6. <clears throat> Lord, I want to say thank you. <laughs> thank you for your word. And um, Lord, I thank you for the fact that you uh, ha have given me the privilege to read your word to people I don't even know who are watching. And I just ask that you would use your word tonight to bless somebody, to teach somebody, to comfort somebody, to encourage somebody, to exhort somebody, to change somebody for your good, because you are good. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for this venue. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> So this morning I was with my God Time Together group. And if you're a part of my group and you're watching, hello, leave a comment. Let me know you watched. I'd like to know. And I was reading out of John chapter 6 initially. And um, I was really struck by a couple of things. But I'm going to scroll down here to chapter to, to verse 22 of chapter 6. This is what it says. The next day, the crowd, the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not boarded it with his disciples, but that they, but that they had gone away alone. And the, the precursor to this is that Jesus walked on some water to get to the other side and and um, the disciples had gone ahead 
and the next morning the crowd and I noted that this morning when I was reading this because I was like yeah the crowd the crowd noticed the crowds are noticing you just so you know the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not boarded it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. However, some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks, because he had fed the 5,000 prior to this with two, two little fishes and, you know, five loaves of bread. However, some boats, uh, blah, blah. So, so when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats, they went to Capernaum to look for him, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Or maybe it was, Rabbi, when did you get here? Rabbi, hey, when did you get here? Hey, when did you get here? I don't know how they said it, but in my head. Jesus replied, truly, truly, I tell you. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how he sounded, but anyway, he said, truly, verily, verily. Um, I tell you, it is not because you saw these signs that you're looking for me, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they inquired, what must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus replied, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you perform so that, we, so, that, so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread at all times. And Jesus answered, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I but as I stated, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about Jesus, because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were asking, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How, can, how then can he say, I have come down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus replied. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. 
Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is truly from God. Only he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I tell you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And this bread, which I will give you for the life of the world, is my flesh. At this, the Jews began to argue among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I am him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, unlike your fathers who ate the manna and died, the one who eats this bread will live forever. I could go on, but I shall stop there and just say a couple words based on this passage here. <clears throat> yeah, I will. <laughs> There's so much to say. But a couple of things stood out to me as I was reading through this. You got the, you have the Jews, right? And, you know, let's just be honest. The Jews are stubborn, hard-headed people, okay? And I have Jewish blood in me, so I can say that and go, yeah, I kind of, I, I see it's true. But here's the thing. Jesus said more than once, in fact, I think it was three times, it might have even been four in these few verses I read to you, that the gift of receiving him as the bread of life is eternal life. And you know what's interesting to me today is that not a lot of people actually talk about eternal life, right? I mean, death is the, is the siren song of our culture. If you watch TV in any form, if you watch the movies or you listen to music or any of that stuff, death is a huge theme, right? Let's kill people. Let's do this. Let's watch car explosions. Let's watch, you know, horror movies, and all that stuff. None of that has ever appealed to me because, frankly, I'm a very sensitive spirit and I don't like dark stuff. But eternal life is what everybody is looking for. Why do you think people are looking toward the fountain of youth and, you know, and, and the transhumanists, the atheists, this religion of atheism, you know, you got these mad scientists, you know, who are trying to somehow extract consciousness out of a human being and, and freeze bodies so that they can make humanity live forever without accountability for their sin and make themselves gods, you know. And, it, and it's like, what are they longing for? They're longing for eternal life. Why? Because innately God made us to desire that. And you know, what's interesting, and I don't actually know where this verse is. I, I wish I, 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 I 
I wish that I knew where it was. But there is a, I think it maybe it's in this, I think it's in chapter five. Um, hold on a second. Yeah, here it is. It's, a, it's actually in chapter five. Jesus says this in chapter, in John chapter five, verse 28. He says, do not be amazed at this for the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So there is a resurrection of good and there's a resurrection of judgment for those who have died, right? So, so we know that people who like to deny hell exists. Well, just so you know, there's proof right there. There's eternal judgment coming to those who don't receive Jesus. Um, it's not a popular message, but the popular message could be if the church got the vision to talk about eternal life. That's all Jesus was really talking about. He was talking about so much in John 6, but he was trying to hammer into the heads of the Jews. Hey, I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the one that is like here. And ultimately he was talking about his crucifixion when he was talking about the, the blood and the eating the bread, you know, we see that as communion, but we couldn't have communion without the crucifixion first, because that's what it represents. It has nothing to do with vampires, in case you were wondering, you know. And so we have this wonderful God-man who loved us so much that he offered himself as the bread of life. If you eat of him, you're never going to be hungry. If you drink of him, you're never going to thirst. You know, and at one point later in the Gospel of John, Peter, um, the disciples are going away. Some are like, some of the disciples left Christ. They're like, I'm done with this guy. And they left. And Jesus turned and said, well, why are you, basically, why are you, how come you're not going anywhere? And Peter responds by saying, where would we go? You alone have the words of life. You know, you alone have the words of eternal life. That is what we're longing for. We're longing to know where we're going to go after we die. And if what we're living here in these fleshly tents of ours, if it matters at all. And maybe because I am a middle-aged woman and I know I have less life ahead of me than I do behind me, that the 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 joy of this world is getting lesser and lesser and lesser and looking forward to where i'm going is getting brighter and brighter and brighter because the best is really yet to come we have a lot of news right now that if you were to just look at the news of the day and you'd go oh my gosh how 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 can we live in a culture that is barbaric you know how can we live in a culture that that just punches Christians in the face, basically, and says, you know, what you believe is so stupid. You guys are a bunch of idiots for believing this stuff. How do we live in a culture where good is called evil and evil is called good, like Isaiah 520 predicts that would happen? Bitter is sweet. Sweet is bitter. How do we do that? I'll tell you how. By being in God's word, by meditating and abiding in God's word, because it's only if you're doing that, 
the rest of this stuff isn't going to matter to you a whole lot. What will matter is you being able to reach out to people and give them hope that they so desperately need. And if you don't think the world needs hope, you're, they do, because that's why suicide rates are through the roof. That's why people are dying and killing themselves, because they don't have the hope that only Jesus can bring. They carry the burden of their sin. They try to escape it through addiction and other stuff, and they can't because you cannot forgive yourself. That's not what you were designed to do. Jesus came to forgive you of your sin. So you must come to him and eat of him so that you will be set free from your body of sin and death, ultimately. Okay? So let's look at some uh, stories um, I pulled for this. And where, where do you want to begin, Randall? By the way, hello, people that I can see. I, there's a couple people. Why don't we start with our headline story? Okay, which one is that? The... <laughs> fix it here. More pastors yeah. out of the LGBT crowd. Okay. So as you guys know, I know the topic of the LGBT um, lobby pretty well. My friend Scott Lively wrote this article, and I don't know if I'm going to read the whole thing because it will take me about 10 minutes to read it or so, uh, but we'll get the gist of it anyway. So Scott Lively, just so you know, he's um, he is an attorney. He has a great um, testimony, he came out of homelessness, put himself through law school. He's also an ordained minister and now has a ministry um, that, you know, touches, you know, thousands of lives. He was actually considered an enemy of the state in Uganda because he went to Uganda a number of years ago to try to help people um, and deal with some stuff. And Uganda charged him with crimes against humanity because he tried to help homosexuals. Long story short, they dragged his name through the mud internationally for years. Eventually, it went to court, and the Lord vindicated Scott, and he he won. He won the case. But anybody that knows Scott knows that he is a valiant warrior in the truest sense of the word for biblical principles, and so that's the man who wrote this. So let me read what Scott writes. He, um, he titles the... the um, article, more pastors bow to LGBT crowd, and it'll only get worse. Uh, Jesus warned that in the last generation, many false prophets will arise and mislead many, and because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Wickedness involves a wide spectrum of secondary behaviors as shown in Romans 1, 18-32, and 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. But one specific category of sin is pinpointed by God throughout the Bible as the gateway to widespread apostasy that triggers his wrath. Extreme sexual deviance, particularly male homosexuality. My scripture-based argument in support of that assertion is fully detailed in my book, The Petros Prophecy, Simon Peter's Prophetic Warning about the Heresy of the Last Days. By the way, you can actually go to his website and download that. Just Google his name, uh, Scott Lively. You'll find it. Great book. It's free. Anything Scott writes, you should go get it. Okay? Just just so you know. Okay. More important to this article is the false doctrinal teaching, i.e. Her heresy associated with all LGBT sin, so-called gay theology, which is the chief tool of, quote, evangelism by, quote, progressives who are leading an increasing number of pastors and other Christian leaders into apostasy. 
one of the most recent, perhaps their biggest American convert ever, is J.D. Greer, president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I am going to pause here just for a minute um, because I want you to know something. I go to a Baptist church, which I believe is part of the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> uh, I personally am not a fan of J.D. Greer, never have been. I'm not a fan of the Christian Coalition, I'm not, or the Gospel Coalition with Russell Moore, Al Mohler, Tim Keller. Um, all of these men and others have veered left and bought into at least some part of the LGBT lobbying lies. Um, and, I mean, I, I just have... I have a, I have some problems, some serious problems with some of the stuff that these people have done. Um, and I know some of you out there watch them. You like some of their stuff. I'm not saying they're all good or all bad, but on this topic, they're not all right. In my opinion, that's my opinion based on my research. J.D. Greer, I wonder is I I wonder if he's even closeted. To be honest with you, based on some of the stuff that I've seen. Um, there's actually a video on YouTube of him um, doing a song in a church. He's basically singing a Whitney Houston song and doing like a gay dance. Okay. Uh, I'm not a big fan of any pastor who is embracing anything gay. Okay. J.D. Greer, in my opinion, needs to go, period. But whatever. This is my opinion. You can leave it or take it. But I will continue reading what Scott wrote. Um, J.D. Greer, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, in a recent message, Greer defended a former staff member who said that while he was on his personal pastoral staff and very active in his church for many years, he secretly looked at gay porn and hooked up on gay dating sites, saying that he, Greer, needs to, quote, feel his pain and, quote, learn to grapple with his questions from his point of view. More... Alarmingly, Greer has insisted that the scriptures only, quote, whisper about homosexuality while addresses other sins such as greed or boasting in a much greater way. He's also called on Christians to stand up for LGBTQ rights. I have huge problems with this for so many reasons. First of all, nowhere in scripture are we told to embrace standing up for something God calls clearly an abomination. Um... Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. Secondly, um, one does not need to embrace somebody else's pain or feel it um, to to understand their point of view. You know what? I honestly think that there's a lot of things that we're called not to understand or experience. Um, and embracing sexual identity that goes contrary to God's will is, is not one of those things. Uh, what concerns me is that he had this young man under his tutelage for many years. He knew this about the man. J.D. Greer comes off very gay himself. I'm not saying he is, but honestly, um, I pegged Randy Thomas the first time I met him. I pegged Alan Chambers the first time I met him. And just looking at what this guy stands for and looking at his behavior, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not saying he is, but... I certainly wouldn't be shocked if he if he leans that way or if he himself has been involved in any of this stuff. Um, you know, and I'm not so famous that anybody's going to really give a rip about what I just said. But I'm just saying 
if it comes out in a couple years or sooner that J.D. Greer was busted for porn on his computer, you know, it wouldn't shock me a whole lot. Um, you don't flaunt this stuff and embrace it from a pulpit or ahead of a convention of, that's supposed to be conservative and, you know, like tantalize it and make it fun. This is, dancing with sin is never fun. Uh, you know, you, you don't play with the devil. Um, and there's nowhere in the word of God that says that homosexuality, the scripture only whispers about homosexuality. Does J.D. Greer need to read the Bible or something? I mean, the whole, there's so much about homosexuality in the Bible that you got to be blind spiritually not to see it because it's all over scripture. Um, the very fact that there's so many heterosexual passages in the Bible condemns homosexuality as a norm, number one, and you have all this twisting scripture and, you know, and all that, and it's like, God help that man, okay? All right, I'm just going to go on here. A month earlier, famous Christian author Max Lucado <sighs> made a similar detour from the faith. There has been a steady increase in these progressive conversions for years now. Any pastor who claims that the scriptures only whisper about homosexuality or considers it just another sin does not know his Bible. I don't care how esteemed he may be among men. The scripture warns all of us clearly, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able, then you will be able to test and approve what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. But conform they have. Remember, this is Scott saying this. The LGBT smugly predicted they would accomplish this goal all the way, all the way back in 1987 at the height of the Reagan Revolution when Bible-based pro-family advocacy was very strong and rising. In their seminal strategy blueprint, the overhauling of straight America, which I've read, by the way, you can read it too, the LGBT activists said, quote, the first order of business is desensitization of the American public concerning gays and gay rights. To desensitize the public is to help it view homosexuality with indifference instead of with a keen emotion, i.e. just another sin. While public opinion is one primary source of mainstream values, religious authority is the other. When conservative churches condemn gays, there are only two things we can do to confound the homophobia of true believers. First, we can use talk to muddy the moral waters. This means publicizing support for gays by more moderate churches, raising theological objections of our own about conservative interpretations of biblical teachings, and exposing hatred and inconsistency. Second, we can undermine the moral authority of homophobic churches by portraying them as antiquated, backwaters, badly out of step with the times and with the latest findings of psychology. Against the mighty pull of institutional religion, one must set the mightier draw of science and public opinion, the shield and sword of that accursed secular humanism. Such an unholy alliance has worked well against churches before on such topics as divorce and abortion. <clears throat> And I will tell you that if you go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Bible News Radio, and you type in the marketing of homosexuality to America, I did an eight-part series, not even complete, going through the book after the ball, okay, written by two gay activists, laying out what they do. And I will tell you that that book now, I've seen it on Amazon as high as $1,100 
to purchase. I got mine for $3 a couple years back. They don't want you to see how they did it. Um, but they did it. And many of these man-pleasers, like J.D. Greer and others, have bought the line, hook, line, and sinker, because their lust in the flesh is drawn towards man-pleasing, popularity, money, and their sensual sensuality. You know? The world, the flesh, the devil. All the things that tantalize. You know? And we're all immune. You know, none of us are immune to that, right? I mean, we all have, we all have a breaking point, right? I mean, or do we? <laughs> J.D. Greer, Max Lucado, Al Mohler, others are playing with fire. Big time. God so condemned this sin and considered it so egregious that he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for it. He also says very clearly in Romans chapter 1 that if somebody chooses to go that way and they choose not to repent, they have a reprobate mind. They are now hardened. He also talks about in 1 John chapter 1, which you need to read in context, that if you say that you don't have sin, you call God a liar and the truth is not in you. You know, you got to look at those verses, 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10. Look at those in context. These guys are walking very close to something very dangerous. And it's going to bite them in the butt if they don't repent. Scott Lively, Randall Harp wants to say something. Bareface, go ahead. I, yeah, go ahead. You could talk. Well, yeah, I can. <laughs> um, this, uh, check one, two. Is this thing on? Yeah, I guess it is on. You want me to turn your volume up? No, oh, your volume might. might be turned down. Yeah, that whoa, better? that's way too much. Okay. Something like that, that'll do. I'm hearing myself. I was hearing myself more in your microphone than my own. Um, yeah, uh, this is this is deadly serious. You know, when we look at the famed, you know, man should not lie with man as a woman, Leviticus 18. That whole that whole chapter is about sexual deviance. You know, that is anything other than. One man, one woman, heterosexuality gives all these lists of sexual sins. And and the Lord says in that chapter to the the Exodus generation who would have been, you know, entering the land, he says, Don't do as the Egyptians did, and don't do as the people whose land I'm letting you possess. And it's because of sexual sin that the land has vomited them out and it's going to vomit you out. Looking at just a just a practical point of view, there there would be no human history without heterosexual reproduction. That's the only kind of reproduction there is. I mean right. there's a recruitment true, true you know, story. By other um so <clears throat> 
anyway, so it's so the the nuclear family is so essential to human civilization and human community, you know, just not just not the continuation of the human race, but civilization. You know, if we had not families and we just had like breeding centers that were just throwing out humans we wouldn't know community we wouldn't know the love of a mother the love of a father things like that the the nuclear family is so important to human civilization to civilized people and in community and so then i mean that's just on a natural level then there's a supernatural level made in the image of god male and female created he them in his image uh, together, the two make up the complement of the full image of God. And the affronts to that, whether it be homosexuality or bestiality or or polygamy or, you know, whatever, transsexuality, transgender, fill in the blank, it's, it's a threat to the survival of humanity and it's certainly a front to the sovereignty of God. And, and that's, I mean, I think, I don't think, I know that's why Leviticus chapter 18 is, is don't participate in sexual deviance because the land will vomit you out. It's just so against nature that the, you know, nature itself cannot endure it, will not sustain it. And anyway, that's my two cents. That's why I married you, because I wanted your two cents for life. Okay, <clears throat> that was good stuff. Okay, uh, continuing with this World Net Daily article by Scott Lively, he, he says that accursed secular humanism is indeed accursed. The satanic religion of Marxism, whose goal has always been to replace Judeo-Christian civilization by any means necessary. By the LGBT strategists' own admission, this is a spiritual warfare in the cultural realm, and they are winning. Has the Bible changed in our lifetime? A ridiculous question. Has sexual sin itself changed? Not in terms of the forms of deviance it takes. Everything from fornication to bestiality has always been practiced by some. Has the duty of preachers and teachers to expound Bible truth to the world changed? Obviously not. The only factors that have changed in this equation are the rise of progressive evangelicalism and the transformation of our culture through their preaching of all social justice themes, but most destructively, gay theology. There's absolutely no logical reason for Christian pastors to succumb to gay theology at any le level even if it's just minimizing God's condemnation of example, just another sin, except to conform to changing social values. Some call that man-pleasing. Yet in all such situations where the world contradicts God's truth, we have this stark warning. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever chooses to be a friend of the world renders himself an enemy of God. James 4.4 4. In June of 2013, I published a warning to the church in America in which I predicted what's occurring today. My prediction was not a prophecy, but simply an educated guess based upon my knowledge of the history, goals, and tactics of the LGBT movement. It has largely come true with much more and much worse to come. This issue will be central to the coming persecution, 
which will begin quite soon if the grossly misnamed Equality Act becomes law. For his own reasons, God has made the social acceptance of homosexuality a key spiritual litmus test for human civilization. All sins are destructive, but only this one is specifically associated with the rise of apostasy and subsequent outpouring of God's wrath from Genesis to Revelation. For good reason. And then he quotes, he links to a chart where he charts that out. This is what it says. He's going on to say here. If you are in a congregation that is minimizing the danger of the LGBT agenda in the church or our society. I was reading off screen there. <laughs> oh. Hold on a minute. Let me go back down to mine. I got to find my spot. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm going to find it. Uh, okay. Uh, I urge you to first study this issue for yourself, then challenge the leadership with the facts. And if there's no repentance, shake the dust from your feet and move on. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a lot more I could say, but the next story I think will will um, kind of uh, confirm some of this. All right. Um. So let's go to the the judge one. Which one? Um, the one titled from the Sun USA, the Sun. Okay. Okay. So you guys remember a while back that there was the um, drag queen story hour, and all the Christian conservatives were getting all up in a you know roar about these drag queens coming in and reading books to your kids, to to little babies, to children. Right, everybody was like concerned because you know these these um people who deviate from the norm are mentally ill, right? Although the APA wouldn't say it today because they're so bought and paid for by the LGBT lobby, LGBT lobby. Um, but a normal person who has some clear thinking would go you know what that guy's kind of off and i don't want my kid around him because god only knows what they could do and they're probably going to go after kids well guess what you guys should bookmark this story print it up put it in your bible make sure people see it the judge who headed the organization that ran the kids story hour the drag queen story hour has been booked for possessing child pornography on his computer. Let that sink in just, just a second, okay? So you got this guy, this a county circuit court judge, Brett Blom, who once headed an organization that hosts a drag queen story hour for kids, who was arrested on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, by the way. This wasn't old news, this is this week. Um, the Wisconsin Department of Justice revealed this on Thursday. So that was yesterday. It's not immediately clear whether Blom had any involvement in the storytime events at the time and the alleged porn uploads occurred in October and November 2020 when he was serving as a judge. The 38-year-old was taken in by State Division of Criminal Investigation after he allegedly uploaded child pornography through a kick messaging application. There were allegedly 27 abusive images uploaded from the account in October and November 2020, and two of them were made in a government building, according to a statement published by the DOJ. 
Blom, who is reportedly married and shares two kids with his husband, is currently assigned to the children's court. Before being elected, he was head of the Cream City Foundation, which gives grant money to LGBTQ groups in the area and hosts the Drag Queen Story Hour. His author page appears to have been removed from the site as of Thursday, March 18th. That was yesterday. A 44-page criminal complaint states that he did knowingly possess a digital recording of a child engaging in sexually explicit conduct and reasonably should have known that the child was under the age of 18. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. How many of you know the name Nelson Garcia? Maybe one or two. Maybe my friend Scott, who's watched for 15 years to our show, or it seems like it. He's, he's listened to our show for that long. Many years ago, when I was hammering this issue every day when I was doing my show, there was this homosexual activist by the name of Nelson Garcia who harassed me constantly, vilified me, attacked me everywhere. He said to me, oh, all you like to do is vilify homosexuals and say that they're predators after children and blah, 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 blah. You're full of you know what. And, and I mean, he just went after me. Well, one day I decided I was going to go to the child predator you know, thing and do some research on Nelson Garcia. And guess you know what I found out about Nelson Garcia? Found out that he was arrested for abusing children as a gay guy. <gasps> the horror, the shock of it all. There you are, Stacy. I can't believe that you would like, like expose that or, you know, put these guys all in this thing. Okay, look at this. Okay. Gay bathhouses, uh, sex in parks. Um, anonymous sex in bathrooms. Okay. Um, all the stereotypes that have been out there about the gay community for a long time, like decades. The guys, the two homosexuals that wrote the, the book after the ball wrote about it in their book and they talked about how, well, there's stereotypes for a reason. Well, duh. What? How is something a stereotype? Why is something a stereotype? Because it's stereotypical of what that community does. Nothing has changed. It's just been blessed by our culture and parts of the progressive so-called Christian community who go, oh, well, we don't care. Hey, who is who are you to judge who I love? You know what? I am to judge people who are in the church. That's what God's word said. You read it. Not only that, what I can tell you is that these people should be kicked out of the church for, you know, I mean, let's just say for sake of argument, if you, it, let's say God did bless homosexual relations, right? Let's just say for sake of argument, he did. There's so many other things that they violate that they should be still thrown out even because of that. But in the book, After the Ball, they deliberately talk about how to flood the media with, with images that create a jamming effect in a person's head when they see it. So, for example, you know, um, for lack of a better example, the Brady Bunch. Okay, so uh, so um, the father in real life was gay. Okay, and right now for Robert Reed, I think is his name. Yes. Um, but let's just say on the Brady Bunch that they had him as a gay dad. Okay. 
you'd be like, wow, you know, oh, what a loving gay dad, you know, he's got um, his wife and he married, he's, he's a good dad, etc. And And that does not offend your sensibilities because that's normal, right? You know, father knows best, oh, you know, but, but now he's gay. So they don't show you the deviant sexual part of that. Um, but instead what the marketing has done is the marketing has jammed what you think is, is right versus wrong. And they're trying to give you that image and convince you otherwise. And basically their tactic was to flood you with that info so much so that, you know, you know, at first you're getting wet, but pretty soon you don't really care because there it is. And you know what? I can tell you it is highly, highly, highly effective to even where I got to at one point. I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to ignore it. You know, I'll watch the show because I like this part. But the truth is, is I, I did care and I didn't want to get to the place to ignore it. So I just cut out TV, period, for the most part. Because there's no way I'm going to be indoctrinated into watching something that is completely an abomination to God, you know, on this level. And you wonder why children today are so engrossed in this stuff. It's because they've been marketed it the last 30 years. You know, this is their normal. It is not my normal. It's not somebody over 50's normal, you know. And so Nelson Garcia... I exposed him, this judge, a judge. Think about that. This guy's a judge and not just any type of judge. He's a child court judge. Imagine if this pervert was, um, you know, like a counselor and he had some affinity for children and he was, you know, children were going to see him for therapy. If you don't think that's happening, you're wrong. I know it's happening for a fact. You know? And you know what? God's word wholly condemns that. Condemns the crooked judge. You know, all the stuff that the Christian right, the conservatives are jumping up and down screaming about. Well, there you are right there. The predators and targets bathrooms. Man, right there. It's all there. And what happens is they hide it from you. You ever heard the name Terry Bean, Terrence Bean? Oh, wait, Randall has because he's listened to me for forever. Terrence Bean was a guy who headed up one of the, I think it was the Human Rights Campaign. Okay, yep. HRC. So Terrence Bean. Which isn't about human rights. Right. Terrence Bean, many years ago, headed up the Human Rights Campaign, which is one of the which is one of the country's largest homosexual lobbying groups. Right? They they lobby constantly. They they have millions of dollars poured into them and all that. He was arrested um, as a homosexual for sex with a minor homosexual. Okay, and and their big mantra is, "Oh, we don't do this. We don't go. You know, we don't do any of this." Well, that guy was completely complete and and the media by and large buried the story but not me i i harped on it for a while living up to my last name um and but yeah it was there was a peep you know the name jesse dirkheising how many of you know the name jesse dirkheising 
Oh, okay. You probably have never heard that name unless you've watched me for a while. How about the name Matthew Shepard? <gasps> oh my gosh, you probably know Matthew Shepard, right? But do you actually know the real truth about Matthew Shepard? So Matthew Shepard did not die because he was gay. It was a drug deal gone bad with other homosexuals. Been documented fully. Actually, there's a book written by somebody who is gay that actually documented the whole thing. You can go get it on Amazon. And there was even a, what was it, ABC News piece? Yeah. Back in the time, but I'm sure has been and scrubbed it was, from... It was Elizabeth um, Vargas on 2020. 2020, who, that's right. Who told the story, mm -hmm. and they pulled it, and they threatened to fire her. Yep. So, Jesse Durkheising, though. Who's Jesse? So, Jesse Durkheising was a young boy who was sodomized very brutally with glass and other things by two homosexuals um, and murdered. I mean, that that crime, you know, there should be a Jesse Durkheising day in honor of that young man who was brutally murdered and raped and sodomized by two homosexuals and the media buried it like you wouldn't believe. But Matthew Shepard... <laughs> His mom came, the Matthew Shepard Foundation, and all this other stuff. Now, look, I'm not saying the death of Matthew Shepard was great. I hope he knew the Lord. I don't think he did, but I hope he did. Nobody should be murdered. I mean, you know, but the way the media narrative was, you know, it would be like this other stuff. How many of you know the name Charlie Rogers? One of my favorite. You know who Charlie Rogers was? So, Charlie Rogers was a woman who was a pretty well-known basketball athlete. She was a lesbian who she decided that she was going to commit a fake hate crime against herself. Okay. A hate crime, but ended up becoming, it was actually fake. Um, she actually, and this is the, this is why I covered this for so long because I was like, the gay community came out. They were outraged about her. Yeah, the world hates you. I can't believe it. You know, they, they, you, you had somebody come and paint your house and set your house on fire and do all this other stuff that happened with her, right? The gay community came out, supported her in, in you know, spades. And then it came out that Charlie Rogers committed these hate crimes against herself she lit the bathroom or whatever it was she let she let she she set her house on fire she painted her house with a slur she got up ran naked across her yard to her neighbor's house in the middle of the night or it was near early morning crying and wailing that she was the victim of this hate crime because she was a lesbian you know what made that particularly egregious to me was that the woman's house she went to was an elderly lady who was sitting next to her husband on his deathbed. And she interrupted that. And then it came out that Charlie Rogers lied. She was convicted. She was thrown in jail only to be taken out of jail and then um, uh, abscond because of probation, which she violated. But yet, nobody hears about this because these stories go largely unreported like Christian persecution does. Because it doesn't fit the narrative of... No, it doesn't. The, but you got people harmless... like me who know this stuff. And right. I have these names locked in my head because there are people being thrown in jail because of this. Let's get to this next story. Father, 
Um, this one is on the postmillennial.com. Now, this comes out of the United Kingdom, okay? And it's on its website. It's, but it's actually a Canadian story. Okay. Okay, the the, the website is, is United is right. United Kingdom. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it will take a long time. But it says here, father jailed after referring to his biological female child as his daughter. <sighs> the warrant was issued by a judge for the arrest of a father after calling his biologically or biological female child, his daughter, and referring to her with the pronouns she and her, he was found to be in contempt of court. Okay? There's a man in Canada who can only be alluded to as he who shall not be named, Robert Hoogland. For the sake of natural justice, it is important to speak this man's name. He is now the Canadian state prisoner of conscience. The warrant was issued by a judge for the arrest of a father after calling his biologically female child his daughter and referring to her with the pronoun she and her. Hoogland was found to be in contempt of court. He is the father to a gender nonconforming biological female 14-year-old who identifies as transgender and prefers the use of male pronouns. Hoogland has repeatedly called this person his daughter, though the court has forbade it. And, you know, it goes on. This is nothing new. We've seen this before. So my question to you is, what are you going to do if in America the Equality Act is passed? I hope it's not passed. But with, with the current stuff going on with Joe Biden and our current vice president, um, anything is possible. <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this video clip of our president um, tripping up the stairs, going on the airplane, um, and accidentally referring to his vice president as the president. You know, uh, I, I don't even know if it'll be by the end of the year we have Camilla as our president. But if we do, may God help our country. And may God help you as a believer, because... It, it, it will come down quicker than you can say super califragilistic espialigocious or however you say that, you know. The sound of it is really quite atrocious. <laughs> the Equality Act more than the word. <laughs> right. You know, in that article, it gives the, the gag order from the court. Yeah. And the father was, there was an injunction, whatever gag order. He was forbidden from referring to his daughter as his daughter as she or her using feminine pronouns, two third parties. He couldn't talk to anybody, relative, neighbors, about his daughter. And if he was found doing so, then, of course, well, he's in jail now. Uh, you know, why, why should a parent be able to, you know, have any parental rights, especially when it comes to observable reality? Right. You know, to, uh, you'll you'll be jailed for not buying into some uh, um, a minor child's fantasy. I know that sounds cruel to the the sexual revolution alphabetic crowd, but I mean, hey, if you're if you're if you're 18 or over, living on your own, what you call yourself, do with yourself, that's between you and your maker. Okay. But this girl, 14-year-old girl, living at home, um, 
under the care, the nurturing and care of her parents, uh, needs to be under the care of her parents and not have a court uh, say how they're going to parent. I mean, if they're if she was being neglected, not fed, right. or beaten within inches of her life, that's one thing. But we're talking about observable reality. Right. She's a girl. Yeah. And uh, how dare the father say anything other than what's real. Yeah. Well, we are going to wrap the show up because, you know, we're trying to stick to an hour. So what I'm going to tell you is that tomorrow night we're going to continue to read some headlines. And um, you know what I what I really want to ask you and leave you with, with these thoughts. Number one, um, you know, I always end this show by saying three things. Be bold. Stand up. And go with God because he loves you. I guess technically because he loves you is the fourth thing. But I always say be bold because in a world today where the culture is screaming, you need to accept this. And I'm talking the church culture. My question is, are you going to be bold enough to stand up for what's right? The way you are bold is by being in his word and abiding with Christ. God will give you that courage and that boldness. Okay. Stand up. Look, I can tell you, I never say stuff unless I do it myself for the most part. I mean, you know, there's certain things I can't do. But one thing I can tell you is I've stood alone. One of the places I've stood alone was in my grad psych class when I was studying to become a marriage counselor and earning my clinical degree in psychology. I was the only person in that class who said homosexuals could change. I stood up. I had people come to me afterwards, whisper in my ear, thank you for doing that. But this was a Christian college. I stood up at a Christian college where people were afraid to stand up for the biblical truth. Why? Because I know the truth. Go with God because he loves you. You know what? God loves you. If you're enveloped in his love, you can go anywhere. You can be whoever he calls you to be and go into any venue that he calls you to go to. Be bold, stand up, go with God. Now, here's the other thing. One of the things Randall and I are told all the time, we're told two things extremely consistently. Number one, people love us because we're a married couple and we're standing for biblical truth and we expose this stuff. They love it. And you know who you are. You tell us this all the time for 17 years. That's what I've been told. The other thing I hear a lot is, how come you guys aren't on more places? How come more people can't hear you? And I always say, well, because you need money to do that. Everything that we do is funded by a handful, literally, of people that donate a few bucks. And basically, the extra jobs that I work, you know, we, we get what little money that comes in. Over the weekend, I decided to sit down and look at who donates to the show and how much on average we get donated to a month. And I will tell you that I have five people consistently donate about $350 a month to this show. My list, however, of people that have donated to the show in the last six months was 20. So we had 20 people donate to the show um, in some way or another. 
in the last six months. So what I'm going to ask is if you like what we do, you like the stand that we take, and you appreciate what we do, I want to ask you to consider donating to our show on a consistent basis. Uh, we're now a nonprofit, so you get a tax write-off for it. But even more so, you help fund us so that we can get out there more because when you have the head of the Southern Baptist Convention capitulating to the gay, gay agenda, who, who's going to go if you got leaders like that who are caving and, and falling like flies everywhere? I mean, dropping like flies. Really? You know, I've been doing this 17 years. I know the subject. I'm not afraid to debate it. I'm not afraid to speak it. I've, I laid aside my career because of it. That's how convicted I am by this because God is more important to me. <laughs> I don't care about the praise of men. I really don't. Um, in fact, I fight it. I fight it a lot. <laughs> there are certain people that drive me nuts because that's all they do is praise me and it drives me crazy. A compliment here and there is nice people, but just don't praise me because that I don't deserve that and I'm not worthy of it. Jesus is though. So I'm just saying, if you want to see what we do, help more people, please consider donating to us and make it a monthly thing. That way we can budget and we can figure out where we're going to put this. Because I'm going to tell you something. These platforms we're currently on, YouTube and Facebook uh, and other places, uh, Periscope, they are hiding us everywhere. And um, if we're going to remain there, we're going to need money to do advertising so the, the word can get out and or get put on some Christian platforms, which are very expensive. Um, so I'm just asking you, if you want to be a part of that, then go over to my website, BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. You can set up a reoccurring donation over there with our PayPal account. If you're somebody who wants to use a check, I got a couple of those. Then there's also an address on our page, I believe. You can have a check sent there. Make sure it's made out to Heart Tug International because that's our nonprofit. Bible News Radio is a production of Heart Tug International, our nonprofit. Okay, and if you need any other info, feel free to message me directly. I will get that info. If you need references, if you don't trust me or Randall and you want to do a background check on us, <laughs> Go for it, okay? You're not going to find anything. Um, but I'm more than happy to give you references. So, you know, feel free to do that. Um, so with that said, now I'm going to be quiet. And I'm going to tell you, uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow night. We're going to cover more news. And, you know, as I always say, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. And you know what? You were born for such a time as this. And just because the world's getting darker, you know what that means? Our light is getting brighter. And he's coming back soon. Hope you're going to be ready. <laughs>